0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 669 with Christina Rowland. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 669. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms Christina Rowland is the founder of Size Happy, a movement focused on helping women on their journey to self-love, heal from, and rebel against the unattainable standards that society inflicts on them and instead embrace their own unique beauty. After suffering from breast implant illness, Christina went through explant surgery and experienced nearly complete healing from the multitude of symptoms and side effects of having breast implants. She is now recognized as an expert in the breast implant illness community, helping other women reclaim their health and happiness through education on her blog at sizehappy.net and through her Facebook group, Breast Implant Illness Rejuvenation and Education with Christina. I was totally unaware of the prevalence of breast implant illness until I did this interview. And fascinatingly, after doing this interview, I've started to hear so many stories about BII from a number of women. This conversation is important for anyone who has implants. If you know anyone with implants, or if you are someone who struggled with your relationship with your breasts, or who has felt unseen or unheard by the medical community. Listening to hear Christina share how women develop relationships with their breasts in youth and young adulthood, what motivated her to get breast implants in her early 20s, her experience of enduring breast implant illness her experience of being dismissed by her doctor for three years as she experienced BII symptoms, the relief she felt in self-diagnosing her BII and going through explant surgery, the trauma of being unseen and unheard by medical professionals, and initial steps to take to start to recover and relearn healthier, more joy-filled body talk. No matter where you're at with your body right now or where you're coming from, whether or not you are someone with implants, who's had implants, who knows people with implants, like this is just a really important piece of this conversation. So I'm so grateful for the work that Christina is doing in health in general, but also really specifically around breast implant illness, because I think that this is impacting so many more women than we know. So I urge you to listen in and think about who this might impact if it's not impacting you directly. Think about other women in your life who maybe need to hear this conversation. And so thank you, Christina, for being here. I'm so excited for all of you to learn from Christina, because I know that this is a message that needs to be shared much more widely. So with all that said, let's dive in with Christina Rowland. Christina, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy and honored to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation
1: that we're about to get into.
0: Yes. And I have to give a little shout out. So, we met through my producer and her wife. So, Christine Allison, thank you, thank you for this introduction. We so appreciate you and all the work that you do. And I love it whenever they recommend connection to me, it's always someone who I am so delighted to be connected to. So, now I'm like, I have another friend from Christine Yay. Allison and I'm so excited
1: <laughs> about it. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> yes, thank you,
0: thank you. So, Christina, tell us a little more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about about right now?
1: Yeah. So I homeschool my son. He's finishing uh, elementary school actually in about a month. So, you know, besides everything else that I do, he's 10, he'll be 11 in a few months. Yeah. I do that. And dynamics you know, it's always just trying to figure out how to balance everything. So the homeschooling mm-hmm. while also taking care of myself. But what I'm most excited about is as of yesterday, my husband actually just put in an order in for a new 2023 Corvette. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's going to be pretty fun here coming up. And then at the end of this year, we're going to go see one of our favorite bands, which is Rufus Soul. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of them, but
0: oh, I'm not familiar Like
1: obsessed is an understatement of how we feel about them. So we actually get to go see them here right in Orlando. So it's just a lot of really exciting things coming up in the next coming months. It feels like a season
0: of, as we kind of shift gears in this pandemic, I don't want to say it's over, but as we shift gears, it feels like a season of like, planning and events and like return to things that we haven't got to experience joy around in a while. And I can hear that in some of the things that you
1: saying <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like the rubber band was kind of, uh, and then we let go of the rubber band and like everything just kind of, you know, we yes. got all the good stuff planned ahead of us. So
0: yes, yeah, definitely. I love it. <laughs> So we're going to dive into talking about breasts today. And it's mm. interesting when I, when, again, when Christine and introduced us via email and they were talking about your story a little bit, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm excited to talk about this because I have a story totally different than your story, but like every woman has a story or relationship with her breasts. absolutely, And it's a big thing that no one talks about. Like we don't talk about the role it goes along with body image, but it's also like adjacent to body image. Cause oftentimes with body image, we're really talking about, I think common culture really talks more about like body shape, body size, weight, things like that. We don't talk often about our relationship to our breasts. And so I would love to know a little bit from you kind of your relationship with your breasts over the course of your life. And then I also want to dig into mine a little bit, cause I think it will be yeah. interesting for our listeners to kind of get the comparison. I think we probably have different experiences. So I'll let you go first yeah. though.
1: Awesome. So, I mean, over the course of decades now, so when I first got my period, I would say when I was like 13. That's when I developed my breasts. And back then, this was probably in the late 90s. So there was a lot of Baywatch back then. There was a lot of MTV, Carmen Electra, Pamela Anderson, Jenny McCarthy. Those are the images that I saw all the time. And you know, you mentioned the relationship we have with our breasts. And yes, it does come down to body image, but I think it also does come down to sexuality and mm-hmm. woman, like mm-hmm. embodying what we envision a woman to look like. But anyways, I didn't really like think about my breasts too much when I was in middle school, I think maybe late high school, I started to think about them more because I was just seeing the girls around me, you know, like they were bigger than me. They were more developed than me. I saw how the guys looked at them and how the guys like more were more attracted to them. And so, you know, it can just kind of, I'll just speak for myself, just left me feeling like inadequate or I wasn't enough in some way. And then when I was 19 is when I decided, you know what, when I can afford to, I'm going to go get breast implants. Like I really, I want breast implants because I feel like it's the only thing that I really can't change about my body. I can go work out to lose weight. I can work out to gain muscle, whatever I want to do. I can do through diet and exercise, but like, I really can't do anything about the size of my breast. So I'm going to go buy some breast implants. And back then it just seemed like the thing to do. It was normal. It was accepted. Everybody. It seemed like, you know, on TV, at least was doing it and stuff like that. So when I was 23, almost 24, I ended up getting the breast implants. And again, my relationship with them was like, I loved them. I felt more confident. I was able to wear cute things like bathing suits and lingerie and like just really cute shirts that I wouldn't have worn previously just because I never filled them out. And I didn't, you know, I was very insecure and like, people are going to see my flat chest and that. But now that I had bigger breasts, like I just felt happier. That was very short-lived though, which we'll get into. And then like, you know, as the years went on, especially after I had my son, I breastfed my son, I started to get some rippling in my cleavage area and my breast implants dropped. So then I was in a place where like, I didn't really like my breast implants. I didn't like how they looked. I felt like I was always covering them up now. And then of course, when I found out about breast implant illness, I was already in this place, luckily of Just body acceptance and like, you know, not really tying down my worth or my happiness to my breast size. So I was kind of already in that energy around the time that I found out about breast implant illness. So I was already like, yeah, they're coming out. I'm not going to get them replaced or anything. And I was totally happy with my decision. Whereas I know a lot of women, when they do find out about breast implant illness and they're like, I have to remove my breast implants, their identity is so attached to them that it's really hard to accept And then after I got my breast implants out, I just felt really good. I felt like me. I felt natural. I felt light. I felt free. And I felt like this is the real me because I think some things that women might not think about or talk about is like, even when you do get breast implants, I've heard this story before we wonder, are they looking at me because I have breast implants or is he with mm. me just because I have breasts or like, are they like eyeing me and making fun of me? Because like, so we have all these other weird thoughts when we do yeah. get breast implants. Um, yeah. So it is like this weird thing, but you know, over the course of, you know, a couple decades, I didn't like them. I loved them. I didn't like how they looked. I was into body acceptance and really loving myself and trying to detach how I looked in my shape and my weight for my happiness. And then now I'm just in this like, this is me and I'm happy. And, you know, whatever every, anybody else thinks about my body, that's on them because I love yeah. myself. Yeah. You know, I love so it. That's my journey. And I love it.
0: And I want to go back. I'm going to have us dig into some different pieces of that journey. I want to also kind of share my parallel experience, which was really different, but it's so interesting, some of the commonalities. So you had discomfort. And over not having what the breast size you wanted in your youth, early adulthood, I also had discomfort over not having the breast size I wanted, but I was on the opposite end of the spectrum, like much bigger breasts very hard to buy clothes, couldn't buy like anything that was cute and fun and like spaghetti strappy. It was like, how could I just like tape these things down? They were always really big for my frame, which made me more uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable as I became more athletic later in my life and was doing things like running marathons and triathlons, like trying to do a triathlon when you have 32 G breasts is like, right. how do you like have the right swimsuit and then transition from swimsuit into running gear, like in the middle of a triathlon It's like it was a whole nother challenge. (laughs) So totally different, but that level of discomfort that you describe and feeling like this is a thing that people notice about me from the jump is like super relatable. Also feeling like you can't get clothes that fit, right? So you were feeling like I can't get clothes that fit, right? Cause I can't fill them. And I'm like, I can't get clothes that fit, right? Because I can't close them. Yeah, <laughs> Like yeah. a button up shirt was always gaping or even like, we uh, like shirts that had like logos across them or whatever. It was like, it was always kind of stretched a little thin or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, then you get the next size up and now, then you're like, now I just look like a big, huge box. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah.
0: So, really different experiences. But what's so interesting is that a lot of women who get implants are looking for the look that I had. And I was desperately trying to escape that look. I was like, how can I hide them? How can I make them smaller? How can I minimize them through how I dress through whatever bras I wear forever and ever. So after I had my son and we knew where we, we weren't going to have any more children, then I was like, the time is now like I can get them cut off. And I went into my doctor who a surgeon who came really highly recommended. And I said, I was like, you can completely cut them off. I was like, I want to go as small as possible. Like, I was wow. so just, and she was, it was really interesting. She was amazing. And she was like, well, I can take you to like a certain size. And then we literally at a certain point you go from like, and for me, which was going to be like a full C or a, low D cup. She's like, I can take you there or I can literally give you a full mastectomy. You can't go. Like, I was like, I just want to be a B. And she's like, you can't do that. That's not how it works. Given like the tissue that you have, we have to work with certain things, which was fascinating to me. Cause I thought I could just go in and pick whatever I wanted, but she was great about picking something. She's like, we have to work with your tissue and pick something that would still be appropriate for your frame and all these things. So we ended up doing that surgery and I'm so pleased with it. And what's interesting to me is I spent so much time prior to my surgery, thinking about like what's going to fit, how's it going to fit, how can I, especially when it came to like dresses and swimwear or like anything really tight. And I don't have to think about that ever anymore. And it's this so different after thinking about that for, you know, 30 some years to not have that be on my radar all the time is such a relief. And it sounds like there's these parallels where you had a similar level of self-consciousness pre-surgery. Then you went through noticing clothes fit you differently and feeling really great about that. But then you had this shift around like, okay, I'm going to make another change. And I want to talk about the breast implant illness really um, specifically in a minute here where you had this change and you had to go through another kind of evolution of your thinking and your identity around your relationship to your breasts. And it had to change again. And it really did come down to, or has come down to like, love me for who I am. My body is amazing in whatever form it takes on. And it's not so much about how other people are going to, what is someone else's thought when you first walk in the room, which I used to always think like I'd walk into the room and feel like everyone's just noticing how big my boobs are.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I can totally relate to that thought.
0: This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. (laughs) And so every uh, season of the show is I swear it's like, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, aquatrue.com, code SHAMELESS. So tell us about, I wanna dig into breast implant illness and talk about, What is that specifically and Mm -hmm. what symptoms for you and kind of what was like the onset of breast implant illness? Because I think this is what, when we have women who are either considering implants or have implants, and I know we have both in our audience, what can they learn from your experience and what you went through?
1: Yeah. So, you know, breast implant illness is a cluster of symptoms that are brought on by the toxins and the heavy metals that are made up of breast implants. You know, nobody is immune to how our body responds to the breast implants. The breast implants are a foreign object permanently implanted inside of the body. So, on a physiological level, you know, your body is going to respond to them once they're implanted. So, typically, you'll have an inflammatory and immune system response which our bodies are supposed to do that. Anytime there's something foreign in our body, our body sends off these little alarms that say intruder invader. I don't know what this is. Like, let me try to get it out of the body. You know, like think of like a splinter or something. Right. And because obviously it can't get the breast implants out of the body. The awesome thing that our body does is it forms this capsule around your breast implant. So typically, I mean, and this is just my guesstimate, but typically around like six months, 10 months, one year, after you have your breast implants and you will have a capsule around your breast implants. And that mm-hmm. is to protect your body because, you know, they are toxic and it is a foreign object. So, you know, that's basically what happens to the body. Most of the time women will experience a lot of fatigue a lot of brain fog, some joint pain and anxiety, typically first. And a lot of us have chalked it up to, I mean, and of course our doctors have told us, you know, it's just stress. Or for me, I thought it was just because I just had my son and I just thought I was hormonal. Yeah. And um, I was going to say those symptoms, yeah. can be
0: you could match those symptoms to so many life circumstances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we try all the things and we go to the doctors and we get our thyroid checked and we get our hormones checked. I mean, my story, if you go inside of my Facebook group, which I'll share later, my story is like almost identical to thousands of other women's stories. So we think it's wow. hormones. We think it's thyroid. We're trying to figure out like why do I feel this way? I'm really young. I'm active, but I have all of these issues and all of our labs come back normal. And so like kind of what I want to say here is if you have breast implants and you have just been feeling off and run down and like you're 30 or 40 years old, but you feel like you're 70 or 80 years old and you've tried everything and all your labs come back normal and you have breast implants, whether they're silicone or saline, doesn't matter you might want to look into breast implant illness and what it is because it is a very real thing. The it's on the FDA's own website now, which is amazing through advocacy work. They've identified breast implant illness and do admit like some women get it. We're still trying to figure out why some women get it, why some women get it quicker. Some women get it more severe and why some women can have breast implants and say that they feel totally fine. I have my own kind of theory behind that. I think one of it is like, if you have the MTHFR gene mutation, which is just like, essentially what that just means is if you have that gene mutation, your body just has a harder time processing and eliminating toxins. And because the breast implants are made up of nothing but toxins, you know, from day one, your body has just been struggling and having a hard time keeping up with and processing and getting rid of those toxins on top of all the the other toxins that are just in our environment, I mean, that's kind of like it in a nutshell with breast implant illness, just always stay in tune with your body. I feel like as women, we're so in tune with our body. We know when something's wrong. We know Mm -hmm. when something's off. So we are so in
0: tune with our body and we're often really dismissed for our intuition. Yes. And so can you talk a little bit about like figuring this out with your doctors? Because I know that. I'm 46. I have a lot of friends who are 46 who I've known for many, many years. And it's been interesting as we are approaching perimenopausal ages. It's been really interesting as women have experienced shifts in hormones and related to mood and sleep and mm-hmm. doctors being like, oh, but your hormones are still fine. And you're still like getting your period regularly and all these things like being kind of dismissive of symptoms to a certain point And then being like, hmm, maybe we need to look at some hormone stuff. And all of a sudden recognizing like, oh, you actually, there are some things starting to shift that we haven't given credit to or made space for. And the woman sitting in the doctor's office is like, yeah, I've been trying to tell you for six months, nine months, 12 months that like, I don't feel like myself, or I have all this rage out of nowhere, or I'm sleeping horribly. And those are all really legit things that can be easily dismissed. And I think are commonly dismissed.
1: Yeah. And I would agree. I can't even tell you the number of stories that I've read from women who again, go to doctors. I went for three years, no answers. So when you say like, I forget what you just said, but like, there is no going to a doctor and being logical with them. One, because I got dismissed myself. My own doctor wanted to put me on Xanax when I was just, I had so much anxiety. I knew something was wrong with my body. And like, she just couldn't figure anything out. And I felt like I wasn't listened to. She didn't like hear me. It was always just like, here, take this pill. Or I don't know, let me see you in six months. That emotionally and mentally like puts a toll on us because again, we're so in tune with our body. I know I'm young. I should not be feeling this way. And again, here's another story that I hear all the time. And it's my story too, is when I was going through all this and when I was at my worst, I literally felt like I was dying. I felt like my body was failing me. (sighs) I felt like I had a rare cancer that the doctor couldn't find out. And I was just going to die of before we could figure it out. And I've heard this story so many times in my groups, it like breaks my heart, but it's so real because again, we start feeling drained and run down and insomnia and heart palpitations. We have all these symptoms. We go get our hormones and our thyroids checked out just because as women, that's just kind of like what we're, told to do. Right. But everything comes back normal. And so we're left to think like, Oh my God, like, what am I missing? Like, what are we Mm -hmm. not picking up on? Could it be? I thought I had lymphoma. I thought I had leukemia. I just thought I had this rare thing. I was going to die. And because of that, I had anxiety, went to my doctor one day, just falling. John, my husband was away. So like, I was just by myself. And I just went to my doctor and I just like, I don't know, I just needed help or something. And she's Mm -hmm. like, here, let me put you on Xanax. And I got the prescription filled, but I couldn't get myself to take it because I knew it's just going to mask my problem. It's not actually Mm -hmm. getting to the root of why I'm feeling this way. Yeah, And I didn't want to alter my brain and stuff like that. I know like some people do need Xanax and it benefits Mm -hmm. them, but I just knew something in me was saying like, no, this is not the answer. This is not the route to find what is going on. And I don't know where I was getting at with all this, but this is just kind of like the listening, listening to your gut. Yeah. Yeah. We know when something's wrong. And so we really have to be persistent. And then I think for me, when I found out about breast implant illness, and then when I found out what breast implants are made out of, and then when I found out what breast implants do to the body, it was a no brainer. If I wanted to be healthy, they had to come out like period. I stand firm in this kind of opinion, but like You're so much healthier without breast implants inside of you. You can't have toxins and heavy metals inside of you and be healthy. I just feel like those two things do not go hand in hand. And back when I was like a health coach and I was more along the lines of helping women with emotional eating and accepting their body, I had the breast implants in me. I felt so out of alignment, mm. like here I am preaching something, but like I have breast implants in. So this is kind of like where my own evolution was like going as like, I don't need these things anymore, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how toxic they were for me because I was always told that they were safe. Like, yeah, Cause nobody talks about they, that. Part. I never once over the three years I was in and out of doctors. I never once thought, could it be my breast implants? Like it never once crossed my mind. And I wish somebody would have mm-hmm. said like, you know, you ever thought that it could be something implanted inside of you? Cause I would have been like, Oh, like so Actually,
0: who, how did that eventually get put on the table that it could be breast implant illness?
1: So I had the news on downstairs and there was a segment on, and there was a handful of women on the news and they were talking about breast implant illness, something I never heard about before. But what caught my attention was they're like, I have brain fog and fatigue <sighs> and joint pain and hair loss, anxiety, swollen lymph. I'm like, what? I have, I have goosebumps right now. Too. Like they're describing you. Like I like literally am going through this and they're like, and I removed my breast implants and I'm like, Oh my God, I have breast implants. And they were talking about breast implant illness. And then I just went inside of Facebook groups and it was the first time in three years wow. that I felt validated. I was like this, I just had a full body. Yes. Like this is exactly what is wrong with me. I've tried diets. I've tried supplements. I've tried the pH diet. I mean, I was going so far as to peeing on pH strips because again, I thought I had cancer and, you know, cancer thrives in an acidic environment. And I just wanted to be like, I was going nuts trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And so after trying almost everything and then hearing about breast implant illness, and then learning about just everything, I just knew in my gut and my soul and my heart, my intuition, this is what's wrong with me. And I was honestly excited because I felt like (laughs) I was excited. I was like, get these things out of me like now.
0: (laughs) Which really speaks to, I was just going to say, it sounds like you felt a lot of relief. It's so fascinating when we're looking for answers and the answer might be a hard answer, but you know, it's the right answer, the excitement yeah. and relief and joy, even though you're like, oh, okay, this isn't an easy answer, but yeah. I mean, it's better than cancer. And it also, it's a, like, it's something that I can do something with this now, like knowledge is power. It sounds like there was so much relief in that. And I'm curious at that point, it sounds like your relationship with your breast had evolved to a point that you weren't really connected to your implants anymore anyways, but how did it feel? Like, was there a process of concern or even grief maybe in the idea of explant surgery or were you just immediately like, let's do it. I'm in.
1: I was honestly like, I want them out and I don't care if I'm flat. Mm. I felt so bad. You have to understand. I felt so bad Mm. and was getting no answers that I was literally willing to take this risk. Yeah. And I just told myself, I don't care if I'm flat, like I don't care. And I'm pretty small right now. And I like, I literally don't care because when you're sick and when you're not showing up in life, you're not showing up for your family. You're not showing up for your business. You're not showing up for yourself because you're just too tired and you have anxiety and you're in and out of doctors and you're, you know, you're so consumed with this. I was just like, I want my life back. And this is what I have to do. And I'm going to do to get it. And again, once I found out what the breast implants were made out of, because I am a healthy person, I was like, those have to come out of me. And I don't even know how these things got approved. Who thought to put acetone, formaldehyde, like all of these chemicals, some of them I can't even name who thought to put all of these chemicals in a ball in silicone and like, think it was smart to permanently implant them inside of somebody for like a decade. Mm-hmm. it's like, I can't wrap my, my brain around it. I can't even speak right now because of it. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it made no sense to me. And I was really mad at like the FDA and the breast implant manufacturers for like allowing this. I wouldn't even say I was like mad at myself because I was always told they were safe. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's just like a process of self-love and self-respect really.
0: Tell me about, so you basically self-diagnosed yourself after seeing this on the news. So then did you go to your doctor to be like, Hey, what about
1: this? Like, what was that process? No, I didn't go to my doctor. I just scheduled my explant surgery. There was no going to my doctor because I just knew I had to get them out. And then if I still felt sick after I removed them, then yeah, maybe I will look into my hormones. I'll look into my gut. I'll look into other things. But like, I just knew, like, I just knew when I removed them, I would feel better. Like I and just, And then tell knew. us about and that. So you,
0: you went in, you had the surgery and what, was it just like
1: immediately
0: you felt different or was it over time or what was that like?
1: Like I immediately felt just relief just because when I scheduled my explant surgery, when I went to my consultation, I scheduled my explant surgery. I started to just experience a lot of anxiety just because I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, it was more of like the surgery. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh God, I'm going to have to have another surgery. You know, I was just really scared about that. I was really scared about the recovery, but I wasn't scared about how it was going to look. So after I woke up from my explant, I just felt relieved. I was like, oh my gosh, oh, they're out of me. I felt like my body just took a huge breath, like a sigh of relief. My brain fog honestly felt better. And mind you, this is right after a major surgery. I'm on anesthesia and stuff like that. But I felt better. And my husband was like, he tells everybody, he's like, she looked better Right after her surgery, then she did like walking into her surgery. And this is like right after she had a surgery. (laughs) My color came back. My skin looked good. My eyes got whiter. I just, I feel like the tension that I was holding, you know, we, you can feel that and you can see that in somebody. And it was just all gone.
0: Yeah. My
1: hip joint pain, which I had for years, it was just like the stiff hip joint pain to where in the mornings when I woke up, I had to kind of stretch my hip and like move my hip around. It just, Felt really stiff literally from the day that I woke up from my explant surgery, which we're coming on four years now. I have had zero hip joint pain. That is wild. Like zero, not even like an ache or here and there for a day. Like it's completely gone. My hair started growing back. So it would grow back and it's also not coming out as much of course, like my anxiety, my depression bouts are gone. I feel like the only time I ever really get anxiety, which I'm doing EMDR therapy for right now is when something is going on with my body health related because of this traumatic experience that I I was going to say the trauma. I'm literally almost four years after my explant now, like I'm still processing, like all Mm -hmm. of this stuff that happened to me, feeling dismissed, feeling unheard, feeling unsafe. And like, just trying to work through all that because it as much as like explanting and BII is a very physical thing, it is so much more just like this mental and emotional thing because we're having to remove a part of us that we thought we needed that we did to ourselves, And we're not, especially like if you're not, if you haven't really practiced self-love and self-acceptance and body acceptance, and you really are attached to your breast implants, it can really be a lot to yeah. come to terms with like, you know, I'm going to be smaller, Um, especially like if you have a very unsupportive husband, which does happen. Sometimes I hear it in my group, you know, or my husband's a boob man, or, you know, he's, he's telling me I shouldn't do this. It's just, that's the last thing you want to hear from somebody you love. It just makes the whole process so much harder than it needs to be, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: want to thank you for addressing the trauma piece, because I think that this is something that is really important to acknowledge the trauma of being physically ill for years and not having medical professions see or hear your symptoms and honor what you were bringing to the table Mm -hmm. that to be going on for years is absolutely trauma. And I think that so many of us can relate to being dismissed in different ways by healthcare professionals and sometimes repeatedly and sometimes for years. And you just talked about like the trauma around like lack of not being seen, not being heard, but also then like, questioning your own like ability to trust yourself and trust your intuition and trust your gut. And then how does that show up in terms of anxiety and depression and how you show up in the world? That's like a huge, huge piece of this. And I think that we need to talk about those kinds of things and talk about like, what is the impact when a woman is not seen or not heard and dismissed in those really significant ways. So I really appreciate you bringing up that piece as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's so common. It's just, it's really common, and it's unfortunate, yeah. honestly. Yeah, you would think we could go to a doctor and be very vulnerable and share something, and like, I don't know, be taken seriously, or at least like have a bunch of tests ran. I don't mean, you know, there's a bunch of different answers, I'm sure, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so you talked a little bit about what breast plants are made out of. Can you anything else you want to say on that? And then also what about saline versus silicone?
1: Yeah.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that as well? These are things I know nothing about. So uh, like educate
1: us. (laughs) Yeah. So I know, you know, you know, you might have some listeners right now who are saying, well, I have saline breast implants, so I don't think this is going to happen to me. Or maybe you might have a listener right now who's thinking, well, I want breast implants, but I'm going to go with the saline because I know that saline water is safe. And like, those are the safer option. And I just want to let you know, It is actually not the safer option. So, saline water, of course, is safe. You could drink it and like nothing would happen to you. But the thing is, is that the saline breast implants are still, you're still getting exposed to the same shell that the silicone gel. Yes. Yeah. The silicone gel breast implants are made out of. So, you're still getting exposed to the same chemicals and toxins and heavy metals. It's just that your breast implants are filled with saline water as opposed to silicone gel. So, um, You could just, if you go like on Instagram or Facebook or wherever, and you just search under the hashtag, like X or X plant surgery, you could see that I actually just saw one today. There are sometimes because of a faulty valve that the saline breast implants have the saline breast implants can harbor things like mold and bacteria and fungus inside of oh. them because of a faulty valve. So it's really important that if you do have a saline breast implant right now, and you are considering to explant, you want to make sure that your explant surgeon is not going to drain, sorry, your saline breast implant first, and especially inside of you, because If you did have a faulty valve, and if you do have mold bacteria or fungus floating around in your saline breast implant, you don't want those things drained inside of your body because they're just going to add to and contribute to more symptoms down the road. You want to make sure, and this is for both saline and silicone breast implants now, but you want to make sure, like if you are considering to explant that when you do have your explant, the capsule which i'm actually publishing a youtube video on today i'm talking all about the capsule and what it is and why it's so important to come out but you want to make sure that the implant and the capsule that we talked about earlier that your body you know forms to protect you it comes out together in one piece because if your implant is leaking or ruptured or anything like that You want to make sure that you have that capsule containing everything inside of it. At the same time, you really don't want your explant surgeon to cut through the capsule, the red capsule, and then kind of remove your your implant because there have been numerous women who didn't even know that their silicone breast implants were ruptured. And when I say ruptured, like imagine melted jello. I mean, Mm -hmm. just ruptured, right? If they were to cut open the capsule and they had a ruptured implant, those chemicals and those toxins can, you know, go in your bloodstream and that's the last thing you want. So it's just really important. If you are considering to have an explant surgery, it's done what's called on block. And if you go to your surgeon, he'll know exactly what you mean. He or she will know what you mean or something called a total capsulectomy, which just means, you know, for whatever reason, they can't do it on block. And there is some capsule still stuck to maybe like your ribs or some muscle or something like that, that the surgeon will go in and either like peel off the residual capsule or scrape it off or cauterize it off, but like basically leave you with a really clean chest cavity after right. your explant surgery. Um, right. you want to make sure, I'm gonna just say one more time that the capsule absolutely comes out with that breast implant. And I actually know somebody right now, she had a second explant surgery uh like four days ago because her first explant surgery, the surgeon told her that he removed all the capsule come to find out he didn't left a ton of capsule in Mm -hmm. her and she remained sick. So she found out, Oh my gosh, I still have some capsule left in me. I have to have another surgery to remove the rest of my capsule. I just saw pictures of it and it's a lot of capsule left in her. And she's finally able to now get back on the road to recovery, which it should have been done right the first time. But Mm -hmm. there are some shady surgeons out there who half-assed stuff for whatever reason. So it's just really important. Um, I do have a list of explant surgeons that my members recommend inside of my group, which I'll mention later, but Mm -hmm. it's just really important that you go to a surgeon who is very familiar with explant surgery and how to do it the right way. So it's kind of like talking about explant surgery and saline breast implants all at the same time, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing all that. I think that's really important. and you shared this so powerfully, you were like, take them out. I don't care if I'm flat, but I'm imagining there's a lot of women who are like, okay, I want to take them out. Or I'm curious about taking them out, but like, what will my body look like? And so what can you tell from, from your experience, from other people's experience, you're going to be left with are you left with the same breast tissue that you had before? So you're a similar size before. Or does that vary from person to person? Like, what are kind of the results, the scope of results a person could anticipate after explant surgery? Yeah.
1: So actually, from what I've seen, most women go back to the size that they were before they got the breast implants. Which for some women are like, oh my gosh, but I don't want to go back to that size. Mm-hmm. That was the size, you know, where I felt like I wanted breast implants. So, you know, most women go back to the size that they were Um, some might be a little bit smaller just from breastfeeding or weight loss or whatever over the years, because typically you get your implants exchanged every 10 years. So obviously the body can change a lot throughout Mm -hmm. a decade, you know, with birth and weight loss and whatever. But again, it can be hard to process. It really can be. And it's just something that I'm really passionate about with just empowering women to like disconnect happiness from body size, jean size, bra size. They should not go hand in hand, um, you know, finding happiness outside of your body size, whatever that may be, could be playing with animals, could be something you're passionate about creating, just going out in nature, spending time with family, but like, you know, being so, um, cause I've been there, <laughs> I've been there. I've had, you know, eating disorders, body dysmorphia and everything. So I've been in that mindset to where like, I'm trying to get smaller. I'm trying to lose my cellulite, but at the sake of my own happiness. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's really important um, to look within. I think just, we need to be aware and look within like, why are we so attached like yeah. to these breast implants or having bigger breasts? Was it because like somebody said something to us when we were younger, which like you know, implanted like this thought in my head, or it's really just exploring yourself, which I personally love doing. I love figuring out, you know, why things trigger me or why I'm, you know, have this bad habit, like what, you know, so anyways, it is a process.
0: Yeah. It sounds like as with many things related to our body, there's a need to potentially like decondition and recondition or unlearn and relearn different things, but depending on your relationship with your breasts, just like same thing with women overcoming their conditioning and diet culture, which I think every woman has some sort of relationship and conditioning around diet culture, whether or not they realize it. And if people can't see us on video right now, but Christina's like raising her hand, like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. We all have this conditioning and these attachments to things. And sometimes we don't recognize our attachment to certain ideals or social constructs until they are compromised. And so when there's something like your breast size potentially being compromised, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I have a relationship with that thing that means something to me. And if that's going to change, I have some feelings, thoughts, emotions around that, that are going to need to be processed and worked through. And so I know as I've worked with women with body image over the years, because I was in the fitness industry for many years, it is such a process and it is so much work because it's often a lifetime of conditioning that got you to the point you are right now. Not often. It always is a lifetime of conditioning that got you to the point where you are right now. So then it's a reconditioning. So for someone who is listening to this and thinking like either you've been wanting implants and now you're listening to this and you're like, Oh my gosh, or you have implants and now you're thinking, maybe I want to get rid of them. But there's a lot of stuff that comes up with that with emotions and attachment. I want to encourage people to consider the conditioning that brought you to this point that is keeping you in maybe this somewhat precarious relationship with a part of your body. And what does that mean? And how is it connected to things that are bigger than you and ways that you've been socialized that you can reconsider in a new way in order to have a potentially healthier relationship with your body that doesn't compromise your health or that where your worth isn't dictated by the way something looks on your body.
1: Yeah. That needs to be a clip. That was just beautifully (laughs) said. (laughs) Yeah. And again, we, I'm going to say as women, like we see things on social media, we see magazine covers, we see um, commercials and we subconsciously don't even realize it, but we're like, I should look like that. You know, I should look more feminine. I should, but we don't really think it, but subconsciously it just crosses our mind. And so when we look in the mirror and we don't see what we just got done seeing on social media, we feel gross like when yeah. we look in the mirror, essentially, like we just feel gross. We're like, Oh, like I don't have that flat stomach like that girl did over there. Or, you know, like whatever it may be, whatever we interpret, but you're right. It is so much unlearning. It's more yeah. unlearning than actually mm-hmm. learning something new. It's like unlearning and unraveling totally. yeah, like everything, like our beliefs, our thoughts, our habits, which would probably be like the biggest three like uh, b- our beliefs of like why we feel like this look is the only look that would bring us happiness or confidence or the man or the xyz right and you know something that came up as you were talking is it's really hard for some of us but like it's just having so much compassion and grace for ourselves
0: yes as we're
1: yeah. going through this process instead of being so hard on ourselves
0: Absolutely. It's just
1: like stepping back and just smothering ourselves in so much love. And and that's really hard because we're not conditioned to do that.
0: It feels really weird to be like, to stand in front of the mirror and be like, I love you, belly. It feels super weird. And sometimes, and I've talked on the show before about like body neutrality, being able to start from a place of neutral and not even being like forcing yourself to love whatever part that you're struggling with, but just like to be neutral. And there's a woman I follow who talks about body neutrality. And are you familiar with Carl Lowenthal? by Mm -mm. chance. She talks about body neutrality, but she talks about how she started to work with herself was like standing in front of a mirror and acknowledging a body part that she had struggled with. So for her, it was her stomach and be like, this is my stomach. A lot of people have stomachs like this. Some people have stomachs that look different. And like just this really neutralizing language that doesn't have to be like, I love my belly because sometimes you can't leap from 40 years of unloving your belly to loving it in one moment in front of the mirror, but you can objectively look at yourself and can disconnect. And like you said earlier, disconnect your worth from that part of your body and recognize that other things are more important and actually bring you more true joy Mm -hmm. than whether it's the size of your breasts or the size of your belly or, or the cellulite on your legs or whatever the thing might be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. It definitely comes down to being neutral first. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, it's just like an appreciation. So just appreciating your body for all mm-hmm. she does, all she's done, having kids, yeah. you know, carrying you through school, you know, allowing you to exercise, whatever. Mm. And then it's like self respect. And then like the last thing is really just like self-love and self-acceptance, you know, but mm-hmm. it, it is like the stepping stone because you can't go from like, I don't like my body. I hate the way I look. To, I'm just going to stand in the mirror and say these crazy things like, <laughs> I love you, body. You're so beautiful. And right. you don't feel <laughs> right. it, right? You don't right. feel yeah. it. You so, do have like, to feel it. I totally yeah. agree. So you I just totally kind of like work up there. And it does work when you start from neutral to appreciation to like just accepting what is to like having respect for your body. And then you kind of just like end up loving your body in this whole new. I don't know what to call it. I new something. You're just like, you just feel new. You feel free. And that's the best way I can put it. You just feel free and you don't focus so much on your body. Like when you put on clothes or when you go out and that is the best feeling to not even like worry about what I look or how I'm not looking when I go out. It's like, yeah, I go out and I dress like, cool. I put on some earrings and I put on some nail polish, which like to me is like dressing up, so to say, yeah. but you go out and you're not so worried about again, your size or like when you sit down, you have a little pooch sticking out here. It's just really freeing to not think about your body.
0: Absolutely. But it
1: takes a while to get there.
0: Can you tell people how you work with them and yeah. where Tell uh, people, how you work with different folks? Cause I know you have a couple different things that you that you do. And then from there, you can tell people where they can find you as well.
1: Yeah. So I mostly, I am inside of my Facebook group all throughout the day. So I'm there mostly, but if you're wanting to work like more one-on-one, I do have a program, it's called the BII bridge and it's a healing and detox program. So it's 12 weeks. And I literally walk you out of your surgery step-by-step in an orderly fashion and help with cleansing your body after surgery. That program is like a mind and body program. Cause I do firmly believe that if we're going to heal from anything, it can't just be supplements and nutrition. It has yeah. to be your mindset. It has to be your beliefs and, and your habits and like really getting yourself to say, I can heal. I'm going to heal and removing all the doubt and the fear and the worry and stuff like that. So it is a mind and body program. And then you can also find me on Instagram at I am Size Happy, uh, my Facebook group name, I don't know if I said that, but my Facebook group name is called Breast Implant Illness, Rejuvenation and Education with Christina. Just I always have this little questionnaire when you join, but just let me know that you found us off this podcast so I can come say hi. But that's really what I'm focusing on is just the BII bridge mostly is just walking women out of their explant. I do have a before explant phase as well. It's called the Fighter okay. phase where I walk you actually up to your explant surgery. So I'll, um, I'll share the links with those. So, you know, you can, yeah, we'll have everything in the
0: show notes. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Christina Roland, and then everything will be linked up right there for you. And I actually, most of those links that you just mentioned, I already have in there and I'll make sure I connect (laughs) with you to get all the others before we put this out live. I want you to tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. We only touched a tiny bit on motherhood here. So share with us just for a a second here, how you're showing up as a shameless mom these days.
1: Well, it's taken me some time, but I'm really, I don't want to say learning because I feel like I'm past that, but you know, the, like I talked about earlier, just balancing homeschool and Mm -hmm. like myself, I feel like, especially lately these last, like. Four to six weeks. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm almost 40. I'm going to be 40 in January, but like, I feel like I'm in this phase of figuring out what's not working for me. What can I improve? And I'm also learning how to have some downtime to myself without any guilt attached to it of like not doing anything. Right. Yeah. So like being able to just sit on the couch and read a book, but not feel like I'm not being productive or I'm not being attentive or st- something like that. So. Again, it's a balancing act as a mom, and especially when your son is home all day and you homeschool them and you can't quote unquote, get rid of them, you know, Mm -hmm. it can be a little struggle of like fitting in some time for you. So I'm, I'm 11 years into parenthood almost, and I'm still trying to figure out, you know, just balancing me and being okay with not doing everything yeah on my to do list. yeah. I
0: appreciate you <laughs> acknowledging that you're still I feel like we're always just we're always
1: still figuring it out. like yeah, yeah like, I'm still, still figuring, figuring it out. It out. You yeah, because my son self. is changing. Totally. Like, he's not four anymore. He's becoming <laughs> mature and, yeah, honestly, a little bit more annoying. And but so I, I'm I having say to say the same. Adjust I too. have an almost 10
0: year old insane. Yeah. I'm like, why are you making that noise? Is that yeah. supposed to be annoying me? Because you're being successful and annoying yeah. me, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. The cute face is like, he has his cute oh. moments, but now he's getting into like almost teenage years and it's just yeah. like, it's a whole nother level, and so we're just pivoting and adjusting. It's always yes. just pivoting and adjusting. Yes, you know? totally. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> I can talk about this forever! I love yeah. it,
0: Christina. This has been so helpful, so valuable. And I know there's women who are going to be seen and heard by this conversation that haven't been seen and heard by their medical professionals and other people in their community with the symptoms that you shared that are going to be relatable to other people's stories today. So Thank you. Thank you for showing up for this conversation, for really sharing openly, vulnerably, and really generously your entire story. I definitely want people to find you, connect with you. So again, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes with our episode here with Christina Roland. And then just thank you for the work that you're doing. This is important work in the world. And I think that it's important that we have people that are open to sharing stories like this. So, that other women can get the help and the support that they need. So, thank you, thank you for yeah. what you're doing.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity for me to be able to just speak about it.
0: Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued.